take a second and honor moms, yeah. Thank you, moms. The lesson we learned last week when we, when we were studying the scripture was that we can choose to buy into the truth out of the word of God, or we can choose to buy into truth as we see it in our own lives presented sometimes. And that's a powerful lesson there from kids, that we can, we can believe truth that we've seen in our lives or that we've experienced, or we can believe the truth from our kids. And actually, at the end of the service today, we do have a gift for moms, so please make sure you... Um, you don't uh, leave without that gift, moms. But also, we're going to have some of our kids come and share those same thoughts with, uh, with us and so that we can hear what some of our kids think of our moms. So we'll save that for the end. But we're going to get into the, the scripture again this morning in, in Ephesians 6. And if you don't have a copy of the Bible with you this morning, just slip up your hand and Derek will make sure, or Manir will make sure that you get a copy to borrow this morning. You can always follow along on your smart device or on your uh, tablet if you go to Uversion and you just um, search Milton or you search Portico and we're into week three of Call of Duty. And we're going to be reading from Ephesians 6. And every week we're going to go back to verse 13 where it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. And then we go to verse 14 this week. And this week we're going to stand with the breastplate of righteousness in place. We're looking at what the Word of God says about protecting the vital organs within inside our chest. It's essentially body armor. In today's, in today's uh, vernacular, it would be body armor. And we've got a picture on screen of what Paul would have been envisioning as he was writing this to, uh, to the culture that was um, there at the time. And there would have been the Roman guard all the time. And that's gold-plated metal armor that would have protected everything from the neck to the waist down. And there's a few things you need to know about what the Jewish people believed about certain things that they had in this, in this region. First of all, they, they related a lot of their emotional well-being to their bowels, to their intestinal system. I had the stomach flu this week, and trust me, it had some effect on my emotions. I know where they got this understanding where there was emotional connection down here because when there was unpleasantness going on, there was unpleasantness going on in my emotions. But more than that, Think about when your mom cooks you your favorite meal. What's, what, are, what are some of the meals that your moms make that are just like the best? What do we have? Anybody? Go, you're smiling. You're laughing. What's, what's, what's one meal that your mom makes? Come on. Steak. When your mom cooks a steak, it's the best steak. Anybody else? When your mom makes... Anybody else? Do you have one? You got to have one. Chili, when mom makes chili. We all have one. When mom makes something that makes us happy down there, then we're happy up here. It, it's not hard to understand why without the ability to look at what's actually happening internally through, through uh, medically, then they would equate that when they're happy down here, their emotions are happy. So when Paul's saying it's protecting everything here, the breastplate, he's saying it's protecting our emotions. He's also saying that it's protecting the heart. Now, if you, if you know what, what the Jewish people believed about the heart, they believed it was their center of intelligence. Nobody really understood that our intelligence was in our brain. The brain was believed to be filler. When the, when the Egyptians people got, got people ready for burial, they pulled that stuff out through the nose. They were like, there's some filler in their head we have to get rid of. We don't really know what it is. It's kind of squishy looking, so we drain it. But, but the intelligence was all centered, in their opinion, was all centered 
in their hearts. So when we're looking at this body armor, we're looking at protecting the things most vital to our lives. We're looking at our intelligence. We're looking at our emotional well-being. We're looking at the thing that keeps us going. And just like the, the, the belt had a name, it was truth, in Scripture here in Ephesians 6 and 14, we see that the body armor has a name, and the name is righteousness. And that's what we're going to look at. Solomon was the one who wrote all of our Proverbs, and he said this in chapter 13, verse 6, Righteousness guards the person of integrity, but wickedness overthrows the sinner. The theme is that if we don't have righteous lives, we're vulnerable. And righteousness isn't a word we use today all that commonly, so we need to break it down a little bit. At at its most basic level, righteousness is right living. It's a sense of morality. It's a sense of doing the things that we know are good. That's the human understanding and and the English implementation of righteousness in that sense from a human perspective. But we want to work through the word picture here knowing that the absence of righteousness, the absence of the body armor, leads to some critical exposure. If they had gone into battle without wearing that gold-plated metal protection of their heart, which is their intelligence and their emotional well-being, they had some real critical things exposed that could have caused them a lot of danger, a a lot of hardship. And the righteous life, as we see here, as Paul writing that it's a breastplate of righteousness, the righteous life is the protected life. And this morning what we hope to do is get a good picture of what righteousness is because I'm going to bet that there are those of us here in the room that have a cloudy understanding of what righteousness is, the righteousness of God and the righteousness of men and women because truthfully it's not an easy concept to get a hold of. So that's what we're going to spend the balance of our morning looking at because the word of God says that God's righteousness is our only source of protection. God in his righteousness is righteous. He, it starts with God. There's this beautiful description in the book of Isaiah in chapter 59, and it's, it's describing Jesus, the promised coming Messiah, and it's talking him, about him as a warrior king. And you can go back and read it this week. It's Isaiah 59, or if I get boring this morning, just flip there and just kind of read that because it's a cool picture. But in verse 17, it says, he put on righteousness as his breastplate. And we think this is what Paul is referencing here. You know, in any major religion, there's a distinction between humans and the gods. The gods are separate when they're compared to humanity. And we know that God is set apart as righteous and men not so much or holy. Do you remember the story of Job in the Old Testament? If you, if you have a copy of the Bible, flip there right now. I want you to go to chapter 1 in Job. And it's kind of towards the middle of your Bible. Satan wants to attack Job, and Job is this faithful servant of God. And in the very first few words of chapter 1, how is Job described? If you turn there, what are the words? Blameless. What does your version say? What's that? He was rich. But what else does it say about him in chapter 1? Upright. What else we have? Integrity, yeah, we've got all these words that describe Joseph as upright, righteous, blameless, with integrity. And in this book, there ensues a discussion between God and Satan about whether or not Job is righteous because God has given him all the wealth and God has given him all this health and blessing. Now, there is actually some debate with Bible scholars. Is this like 
an allegorical story because really, who is there documenting this conversation going on between God and Satan? I don't think Anderson Cooper was there. I don't think Nancy Grace made it up to make sure that this was accurately written down in the Bible. But regardless, there's this premonition that even Satan knew that he had to ask God's permission to attack Job because he had this protection of righteousness around him. And it's a righteousness that only comes from God. And I probably don't need to convince too many people of this idea that God is holy. We see it in 1 Peter 1.15. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That's where we start to get tripped up, though. If God is holy... How do I become holy? If I believe that there's a difference between men and God, what do I start to do? And our second thought this morning is that God equips us with the righteousness of Christ. God gives us a body armor that is bulletproof. This righteousness that he gives us is impenetrable. Now, Jeremy, I've I've asked Jeremy to help me out this morning. And we're in Call of Duty and I got myself a pretty sweet sword that I have here. Hope was, Hope was looking at it earlier, and she's like, Dad, that's a sword that could actually cut something. I said, I know. Isn't it awesome? That's why, we have a, that's why we have a nice protective sheath on it, so that when the kids are around. But anyway, we've got, this, we've got this picture in Romans of a protection of righteousness. Now, Jeremy, I want you to hold that, protecting the most important things as your body armor. <laughs> and it's it looks pretty now that's crafted that's crafted metal that's crafted ikea metal just so you know <laughs> handcrafted to protect anything so that nothing would be able to penetrate so that when the attacks come we've got go ikea can we give a hand for ikea this morning ikea. <laughs> that's good thanks thanks, thanks Jerry. we're gonna bring jeremy back in just in just a moment but when something's crafted like metal and it's, it's designed to bounce off, there's nothing that's going to get through it regardless of the attack that's going to come. But we attempt to achieve righteousness on our own as human beings. We have this cheap imitation that we start to create on our own. We like to be able to do things. We like to be able to create on our own, don't we? So we attempt to build up our own shield, put our own kind of protection on when I was young, I played ball hockey. Do you have any ball hockey, street hockey players in the room? Yeah, we had some people that you got out there. And there was those orange hockey balls. You remember those things? That when, when the winter cold came, they were like stones, right? <laughs> and, and I was a younger sibling. So as a younger sibling, what position do the, does the younger sibling play when it comes time to play road hockey? Goalie, everybody knows, that's right. You've got all these, all these older kids, and they're like, uh, we need the younger sibling, you go in net. So now, now we put this together, we've got a stone, a frozen orange stone, and a six-year-old in net getting ready to play road hockey. And I'm thinking, this is nuts, I need to put some kind of protection on. When I watch TV, they have like these thick pads, and they got masks on, and my brother didn't care, he was all ready for me. He just needed a person to shoot at, right? He needed some, some challenge to get in there. So in, I go to net. So what did we do? 
We did whatever we could to put some kind of protection on. And we would, we would get out the duct tape and we'd duct tape things around our legs, right? Sometimes there were pillows that went around there. Some people, if they, like, during, it was great during November, December. The Sears catalogs came and you got to strap those suckers on and nothing was going get, to get through there. And you, you would put on, like, your dad's winter coat so it would hang down to here. And you kind of you had some protection so that you were ready to play. Now, it wasn't perfect, and he knocked out a couple of my teeth, and I still have scars on my, my elbows here and there from all these shots that I took as the younger brother goalie over the years. But it was, it was kind of okay. I made my own kind of protection. As we, as we were getting ready for this, this message this week, Pastor Doug, our lead pastor over in Mississauga, he had, he had a great story. He was one of five brothers, and I guess he wasn't the greatest baseball player. And they all boys got together to play baseball in the community, and they said, Doug, you go out to the outfield and not really anticipating that anybody would hit the ball out there. And he said, guys, I don't even have a glove. <laughs> so they found a paper bag, <laughs> and they gave him a paper bag. They sent him out to the outfield. And I, lo and behold, that was one of the days when somebody actually hit one out to the outfield, and Doug's thinking, this is my chance. I can show them what I can do. So he runs right underneath this pop fly with his paper bag <laughs> that he puts up there and clonk right on, bloodied his nose, and... Knocked out a few teeth, and the boys had to come home and tell mom that they had sent their little baby out with a paper bag to play outfield. (laughs) When we use the cheap imitation, the protection isn't quite the same always, right? Now, I've got got an imitation shield up there. Jeremy, where's your your imitation shield? So now when I get my sword, <laughs> when I get my sword, and you're holding the cheap, the thing that was not designed to protect you, how, how you feel if I'm, if I'm about to wind up with it? <laughs> you feel it so, how, like, we're not, we know we're not going to protect because it's not meant to do, it's, it's going to give something, right? But I'm not going to wind up and give him a whack because I care about Jeremy, and I'm not going to, I'm actually going to do that, and I can actually see the hole, and like Hope said, this was a sword designed to do it? All right. No, just kidding. <laughs> but when the attacks come and we don't have the right protection, we're vulnerable. If we have nothing, it's critical. If we have a fake imitation, we're vulnerable. Our youth pastor, he'll be speaking to our youth this week. He, he came up with a saying. He said, imitation is limitation. I thought it was cheesy, but he liked it. So he's going to go with it and see how, see how the youth bit. When we put the protection of self-righteousness on, it's faulty equipment. And there's nothing that we can do, there's no style of living, there's no amount of good works that we can do that can protect us to the degree that God's righteousness can. It's His righteousness that's perfect, that's impenetrable. And it's the only way that we obtain eternal life. The prevailing thought on earth is that good works and right living leads to God's blessing. And it's just not true when we see this in Scripture. We see that God's blessing, which is heaven, which is eternity, is only achieved through belief in Jesus. And there's nothing that I do to obtain it or achieve it. In fact, Isaiah, in chapter 64, verse 6, he says that our righteousness is the same as filthy rags. And this is what the world was like before Jesus. The Jewish people came and they had to follow a set of rules for living and they called it the law. And it it was a law that was given to Moses when the Jewish people were out in the wilderness. And I want to just look at Philippians 3 verse 9, just the first part. 
Paul understands that doing that, I didn't have a righteousness of my own. Following the law, I, there was no righteousness on my own. So why is this so important? Well, number one, if you're in the room here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior, if you've not said, yes, I believe that Jesus is God's Son, then this is all it takes. God promises you blessing, reward, eternal life, and a new heaven and a new earth where there's no pain, where there's no hardship, where there's no attacks with a giant sword and no attacks of life. He promises this perfect life if you take on his righteousness and you take on his protection. And you can do that right now as I speak in the middle of service. Sometimes we wait to the end of service and we have music playing and we call people forward, but we know it. there's no magic formula. It's just a belief in your heart or your mind, whichever you believe, if you're Jewish or if you're Canadian. It's an understanding that God sent his son for you, that he's a plan for you, that he wants to be part of your life. And you take that on. You can do that right now as I speak. And I challenge you, if you've not done that before, and if, if there's something inside you right now that's really feeling, hey, this is a real message. This is, this is for me. I challenge you, talk with the person that brought you. Come and find me after the service. We'd love to help you understand that at a greater level. If the Holy Spirit's really speaking to you this morning on that way. But the second reason why we need to know this is that for those of you who already do believe, and this wasn't news to you, that salvation was through Jesus, the problem is, is we create our identity in self-righteousness sometimes. We're talking about Call of Duty, and we are in a battle. We need to know that the enemy is real, and the attacks are real, and the attacks come, and he's going to attack you wherever you're weak. Whatever area that you have struggles in, that's where he's going to come and attack. And if you're not wearing the righteousness that's impenetrable, if you're wearing man-made protection then you're compromised. And he can go after your heart, and he can go after your emotions, and he can have a swift, decisive attack. Sometimes I talk with people, and they say, you know what, I'm not able to, I'm not able to really like lead a small group. I'm not able to share my faith, because I, I don't even know where the books of the Bible are. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not able to understand really what the Bible's saying. And we put this man-made standard as a measure of what being a leader takes. And we say... If I know this much, if I'm that righteous, then I can influence other people. Then I can stand and lead small group. And the enemy comes and says, until you know all that, then you can't lead other people. And he strikes because we've put on man-made righteousness. And instead of letting God empower you and taking on his righteousness and his ability, empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak truth to other people and be, use the gifting that God's given you, and using that, we're trying to earn our own level of righteousness. Or you might have stood in the service earlier and there's a thought in your head as we were singing some of those songs. How can you stand there and sing that with the kind of thoughts and the kind of actions that have gone through your head or have been lived out in your life this week? And we say, I'm not righteous enough. I haven't done enough good things to stand here and say that. And the enemy attacks and he pokes because we're wearing man-made righteousness. When we know that the righteousness of God covers all sin... And there's nobody that's blameless who's in Christ Jesus. And it's perfect, holy, and we're blameless because of God. And in fact, whatever thought pattern you have, whatever area of life is a struggle for you, that's where the enemy's going to attack because he knows you. And there's all these critical things that are going on here. And God's saying, put on my body armor. 
We started with the truth in God's word, and we're only protected when we put on that armor. Look what it says in Romans 3.22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus to all who believe. 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As a church, as a believer, we have perfect protection if we take that on. God equips us with that protection. And this morning, if you feel attacked, if you feel at any level unworthy as a Christ follower, what armor are you wearing? If the enemy has got a foothold into some area of your thought or some area in your life, I'm going to ask you, what armor are you wearing? Are you wearing an armor that says, I've put on, I need to do this, this, and this before God's going to bless me. I need to achieve these things before I can be the person that God wants me to be. Then the enemy's going to attack and he's going to strike a blow every time. It's going to be like Jeremy holding that silly piece of cardboard and I've got this sword. That's what you are. But if you put on God's righteousness and you believe the truth that's in the words that says that we're brand new creations, that says there's nobody blameless, that says we become his righteousness, it clangs off of there and the enemy's got no foothold for you. What armor have you put on? Your very future is ordered by God. Every footstep that you have when you put on that righteousness and the truth in God. So we have one last step this morning. It's real easy. Suit up. Right living is going to be your critical line of defense. Now I'm going to contradict a little bit of everything that I just said. <laughs> okay, not really. But there's, there's a distinction that comes between the righteousness that saves us and protects us and the way that we express righteousness to the world. Okay, get this on. We suit up, we put on God's righteousness, and then we express it in our lives. The way that we live it out in the world. Because we know that God is holy, and because we know the life and the protection that we've been given, we're called to live out lives that reflect the life that's been saved with that great price. The gift that we've been given is immeasurable, so we're called to live out and reflect those kinds of lives. We're not saved by his righteousness just so we can go and sin all that we want. There's some people that believe this. They say, you know what, because I've been saved, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter how I live. It doesn't matter if I, if, if I reflect God's glory out in the world. I can do whatever because I've got God's protection on me. Now, it's true that God does save us, and it's his protection, his righteousness. That's how we obtain heaven. But because of that, aren't we called to go then and reflect that to the rest of the world? Shouldn't we put that on and show other people the life that we have been giving? Our call of duty is then to live righteously. The protection is God's righteousness the call is to live righteously. Not because it saves us. Not because we are in heaven that way. We do it because we're saved. We do it because what God has given to us. Really, you have been equipped to influence your world. How else will the world know what God's righteousness is unless we who've been given this gift go out and demonstrate it? We're going to hear about a couple more opportunities at the end of service. Lisa's going to share some great opportunities that we can go in in our very community, reflect the life and righteousness of Christ in our world. Not so that it'll save them, just so that they will see that there's life and light in us. Because in every corner of the world, we see unrighteousness, don't we? We don't look very hard to see people standing up for unrighteousness. I want to read for you something I read in the National Post online this week. This is from Justin Trudeau. 
He said, I don't know if you read this, but he said, I made it clear, and I'm not advocating for or against any political party, okay? I'm just, I'm just, saying, I'm just saying what I read from the lips of one of, our, one of our leaders. I've made it clear that future candidates need to be completely understanding that they will be expected to vote pro-choice on any bill. Trudeau said that any potential liberal candidate looking to reopen an abortion debate will be weeded out during the vetting process for nomination applications. Here's what he said. That's part of the green light process to become part of his party. He said, we check on a number of issues. How do you feel about the Charter of Rights and Freedoms? How do you feel about same-sex marriage? How do you feel about pro-choice? Where are you on that? Let's be clear. Those who adhere to the belief system of humanity are ensuring that they are influencing the world we live in. It's not that their choices make them any less or more right with God. We know that that's only through belief in Jesus. But they're making sure that their value system is lived out in our world. People of God, we need to be sure that we influence the world that we live in. Amen? Ephesians 5, 8, and 9. Here's what it says. Live as children of light. We read this last month. Live as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Now, he's not calling us to be religious zealots that go and demonstrate hate. That's the way that we would show Christ. So we would demonstrate hate for others. We've gotten that wrong as a church for many, not as necessarily this church, but as the church of God. We've messed up over years, and we've spread hate. He's not calling us to be zealots. He's calling us to be beacons, just beacons of light wherever we are, to speak life and to speak truth and to be his presence. We've heard how there's been Christ followers that have attacked abortion clinics, We've just, like we just read about in the National Post. Today's Mother's Day. Could you imagine the thought that every mother has who's had to give up a child? What a horrible day this must be for them. Now I ask you, do you think that he's calling us to, sh- that Jesus is calling us to reflect some hate and anger towards a choice that they made? Or offer love and righteousness and forgiveness and the same protection that you and I got undeservingly? That's what I think he's calling us to do. Because we've been given righteousness, then we go and reflect it and show to the world that there's no choice that we can make that makes us worthy or unworthy. It's equipping and then living it out. For every people group that stands up for a principle that goes against scripture, whether it's a homosexual community, whether it's a legalized drug use, whether it's the bill that we've put out to legalize prostitution, we're not called to go and put hate. We're called to go out and put light and live as children of light and say, we receive this righteousness undeservingly and so can you. And you're my child. You're a child of God. You're a brother or sister in Christ. All you need to recognize is who your father is and what the price he paid to save you. What might it do to the darkness in this world if we revealed the presence of God through our light and righteousness? Look what Peter says, 1 Peter 2.12. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Don't give in to the darkness. Live such good lives among pagans. That's anybody that doesn't believe. That's what pagan means. Live such good lives among pagans that they that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. I want you to think, why are you here today? Are you here today because 
somebody guilted you into being here? Because somebody told you how wrong the things that you did and the only place that you can make up for that is in church? I highly, highly doubt that. And if you did, God bless you for being here this morning. (laughs) I bet it was a parent or a family member that demonstrated Christ to you, that demonstrated what it looks to live out his word. I guarantee it was a friend who stood beside you during a difficult time and said, "Uh, I care about you and you're important to me because you're important to God. I bet it was somebody that you saw at work who just, they lived differently. And it's like, even though the attacks came against them, even though their life wasn't perfect, even though there was still difficulty and hate going on against them, it's like it bounced off of them because they didn't own it because there was something that was protecting their heart and their emotions. They could recover. I bet it was somebody who lived out the righteousness of God. This morning we're going to close with a song called Cornerstone. I'm going to invite our musicians back. And if this is your first time that you decided to accept his armor, if, if, if you did that 15 minutes ago when we had that point in the message, you can stand and sing it this morning with a new appreciation of the gift that you have. You can stand up and say, my hope is built on nothing else than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And if you've sang that before because it's an a remake of an old hymn of the church and you've been in church for 60, 70 years, if you've sang that before, then you can sing it again with the confidence that you can go out and declare his righteousness to a world that needs to hear it. Would you stand with me together and declare that we are going to take on the protection and the armor of God that is offered to us freely this morning?